Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the USA Today Network, welcome to The Chop, a Rutgers football podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Ross, Chris Eisman, and Steve Edelson. And welcome back to The Chop. Ryan Ross here with Chris Eisman and Steve Edelson. Another week of Rutgers football in the books, and it wasn't pretty, but your Scarlet Knights are 3-0 and as they get ready to start Big Ten play under the lights in Piscataway against Iowa. We will have a ton of about that game coming up. We have a special interview with one of our colleagues from the USA Today Network to take a closer look at the Hawkeyes. But before we get to that, unfortunately, we do have to talk about that ugly game on Saturday. A win for the Scarlet Knights. You'll take it. Sure, whatever. They're 3-0, 16-14 over Temple. But for anyone who watched that game, number one, I'm sorry. Number two, uh, maybe this offense is going to be an issue going forward, Chris. Yeah, it was not uh, the prettiest game of football that you could see. Um, it was uh, it was a bit of a grind for Rutgers. And listen, as you said, Ryan, they're they're three and zero. And at this point, if you're a Rutgers fan, if you're in the program, that's all you can ask for, right? I mean, you want you came into the season wanting to go three and zero in your non conference schedule, and they did that. And so they're in a good spot going into this Iowa game. But as you said, uh, the offense did not look particularly good. Uh, I think that's a nice way to put it. And I think you know. A couple things about this. I think, number one, the Wagner game in some ways kind of threw off expectations. Coming into the season, everybody knew that the offense was a question because of the state of the offensive line. It was unproven with the the transfer that they brought in. Nobody knew exactly how good that unit was going to be. Obviously, the quarterback situation was a question because they just didn't know who was going to start. And obviously, you know, Noah Vegel's been hurt, so he's been out. And now Gavin Wimsat is a game time decision for Saturday. So that's another question mark thrown into this whole thing. So I, I think that people kind of, and when I say people, I mean really everybody, myself included in, in some ways, kind of need to reassess and reevaluate everyone's expectations for what this offense is. It is definitely something that is still a question mark. We knew that coming into the season. And that hasn't changed. You know, what we're seeing right now is exactly kind of what everybody expected. So you know, it, it, it didn't look great against Temple. It looked good against Wagner. But again, and, and, and I've said this, you know, we've all said this in, in previous episodes. I mean, that Wagner game, in a lot of ways, you can almost throw it away just because of the level of competition. Boston College, obviously, it was up and down, you know, until the last drive when, when you know, Rutgers scored the go-ahead touchdown. The offense wasn't, you know, didn't look great in that game either. So it was a question coming into the season. It's still a question after three games probably going to remain a question going forward. It's just, it's, it's, you know, Shiano said the other day, and it's a work in progress. And I think that we all kind of need to re- realize that again. Like it's, it's okay. Yeah. A temple again, and there was things in that temple game that were questionable. I mean, certainly the play calling at times, you know, there was a lot to second guess. It was, you know, everyone's written plenty about that this week, but you know, it, in terms of the, the players and, and kind of the, what it's, what, what it's looked like, 
you know, it's it's again, it's a work in progress and it's still I'll keep saying it. It's still a question mark. Well, and and I don't think we're going to quibble over style points with this particular Rutgers team. You know, it, it, it's probably not going to look pretty all year. But what I would say is, you know, Shiano has said all along, we're going to do whatever it takes, you know, to win these games. Now, he was talking specifically about the quarterbacks, but I think that kind of goes to just the general philosophy of this team. And I think what you saw in the first three games gives everyone hope. Well, maybe we can do whatever we have to do and somehow beat Iowa. And, and I think that's kind of, you know, where Rutgers fans are going into this game. You know, you, this is where you want it to be. You've got Iowa uh, at home, a team that is very beatable. Um, you know, I, I just think, I just think the first three games have gone as well as, as you could have imagined, regardless of how they looked. Yeah. And listen, if you're a Rutgers fan, you know, you sit here right now and, and I, I get it. The Temple game wasn't great, but at the end of the day, they they did find a way to win. And and you know, if you're a fan, you should like that. I mean, that that's that says something about the team. It says something about the players. Um, the fact that they managed to do that against Boston College, and in, in you know, certainly a game that it didn't look like they were going to be able to pull out, they did. And then Temple, it was ugly, but you know what? A win is a win, and they're three and zero. So, yeah, was it great? No. Was it perfect? No. Was it ugly? Yeah. But they're three and zero again. I, you know, it's it's at, the, at that at the end of the day, that's where they sit. They're where they need to be. Where we said they had to be at this point in the schedule. And yes, they're three and zero, and still a ton of work to do. And sure, the offense can improve. I don't think they'll ever be a day and night type improvement. But as the season goes on, there can certainly be steps taken uh, to move this unit forward. Greg Schiano, of course, was asked a ton about the offense. He was asked about the line. He's asked about penalties. That was an issue as well for the Scarlet Knights. So here's one of his uh, longer answers that he had to give just about all things offense for the Scarlet Knights. I know I'm very, very confident in Sean and our offensive staff. As I told you at the beginning of the year, this is a young team in many ways. And some of it is chronologically young. Some of it is Rutgers young, right? But if you, you can't have it both ways. If you truly believe the strength of your program is your culture, and then you bring people into your program that may not be chronologically young but are young to Rutgers, then we got to give it a little time. And, um, you know, when you take over the program in the, in the way we did, there's some things that are not quick fixes. And offensive line play is not a quick fix. We're getting better. But uh, take that and have a young quarterback, two young quarterbacks, you know, that neither one have played. You know, unfortunately, uh, our veteran quarterback was injured. Those are all things that uh, that factor in. I know this that uh, we're getting better. Saturday was a tough a tough outing, but we're getting better. I see it every day, and I'm I'm confident that the path we're going on is going to get us where we need to be. Um, what I'm proud of is that our team found a way to win three weeks in a row, and uh, that's very important. Right? And I said it after the game, but you know. When you don't play your best game and you still find a way to win, that's that's something to be said for your guys, for your teammate, for your team, for your coaches, for everybody. So uh, I know exactly the challenge that's ahead of us this week. And uh, if we play anywhere close to the way we played offensively this week, it'll be it'll be a lot worse. And so we we all know we have to improve. And um, but I think there's that improvement will come. Audio there from Rutgers Athletics. So kind of exactly what we expected there from Greg Schiano. And if you kind of want to approach this game coming up against Iowa with a glass half full, Rutgers won't need a ton of points 
to win this game because Iowa has plenty of struggles of their own on the offensive side of the ball. And, of course, we took a much closer look at the Hawkeyes thanks to our colleague from the Des Moines Register, Kennington Lloyd-Smith III. We caught up with Kennington the other day. He's the beat writer for the Iowa Hawkeyes for a much closer look at this matchup. Here's our chat with Kennington. For a closer look at Rutgers' opponent this coming Saturday, we are thrilled to be joined by our colleague, Kennington Lloyd-Smith III. He is the Iowa Hawkeyes beat writer for the Des Moines Register. Kennington, thanks so much for being here today. Appreciate y'all having me on. So this Iowa team, I think for outsiders looking at this squad, I think the big question for them has to be what's been up with their offense. They put up seven points in a win, seven points in a loss, 27 points in a win. Uh, What's been the issues with the Iowa offense? I mean, um, how much time do you have? <laughs> it's, there, there, there's no one thing. I mean, it's just it's top to bottom. I mean, last several years or so, they've been 100th or worse in total offense. There's been a lot of scrutiny under offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz. Um, head coach Kirk Ferentz doubled down on him, doubled down on his quarterback room by not seeking outside coaching help or quarterbacks in the transfer portal. Um, and poor quarterback play plagued them in their first few games of the season, just on um, bad mechanics by starter Spencer Petras. And, um, you know, the offensive line hasn't helped him out either. They've had several new players and young players at position, so it's been tough for them to get going. They've had a lot of injuries at wide receiver. Um, for the first two games, they only had one truly healthy scholarship receiver playing. So when you add all of those factors together, you get the the worst offense in the country statistically by almost every measure. But um, I guess the good news for, for Iowa and what makes this game against Rutgers so intriguing is that the game against Nevada was somewhat of a get-right game. Um, the receivers that were injured came back and played a good workload, so they're full tilt at a receiver. That kind of opened up the playbook. We saw more deep shots in the vertical passing game. We saw a little bit more creativity in the play calling. So um, the the offense that they have right now in terms of personnel is kind of like their full tilt, healthy offense. So they kind of had a chance to gain some confidence against Nevada. But this game against Rutgers is really going to to tell a lot about where the offense stands right now because Rutgers has one of the, the stronger defenses in the Big Ten to start the season. Yeah, I was going to say, Kennington, I mean, that Nevada game – could you take too much away from it? Was that a product of Nevada just having one of the worst defenses in the country, or was there actually legitimate, tangible signs that maybe Iowa's offense was starting to figure something out? Yeah, I think that the most tangible thing that you could take from it was with healthy receivers, Iowa used their the full depth of their playbook, and Spencer Petras looked more comfortable in the pocket. He targeted the three receivers who have been out Nico Regani, Keegan Johnson, and Brody Brecht. Those were three of the top four targeted receivers on the team. So he was really comfortable with having um, you know, his guys out there. And I think that's the the biggest thing that you can pull from this is um the, the receivers have allowed the offense to open up a little bit and they're a little bit less predictable. When you only have one scholarship receiver, teams are just loading the box. They know you don't have much confidence in your other receivers. They're gonna aim to stop the run. And when they stop the run, I mean you force Iowa to must down must pass down situations excuse me you kind of send the house overwhelm that offensive line and that's when um spencer peaches has been prone to mistakes so as far as their statistical output and and dominating nevada uh one of the worst defenses like you said so you can't take too much from that um but the biggest takeaway that i have is um you know their full playbook is open now and they'll have a chance to to execute that against an uptick in competition this weekend 
Has Spencer Petrus shown any improvement from last year? And and you mentioned one scholarship receiver. Does he just not have enough weapons around him right now? Yeah, as far as Spencer's improvements, it's really tough to say. I mean, he worked a lot in the offseason, private training, going to the Manning Passing Academy, losing some weight to, to put his best foot forward this year. And we really haven't seen that. We did a availability with offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz, I believe it was last week, and he said that he felt like Spencer's had opportunities in the pocket and he's had ample time, but he hasn't delivered on those passes. Um, a lot of it is is doing with his feet and his, his footwork, his upper body and his lower body mechanics oftentimes don't align. And that's where he, he kind of finds trouble. I think Nevada was probably in terms of ball placement, one of his best starts of, of his career. So that is a positive sign. As far as the weapons, that that does have something to do with it. I mean, Two of his top receivers are, are were out in the first two games. Starting running back Gavin Williams was also hampered by injury. So they have been um, lacking in the weapons department. They have one of the better tight ends in the country in Sam Laporta, but it's been kind of a struggle finding the ball to him because defenses can key on him, take him out of the game. And then Spencer's left with one scholarship receiver, Arlen Bruce, who's done good things. Um, but the defense is kind of kind of key on him as well. And then past him is just a walk on to having had much game experience. So that's definitely um, a huge part of it. Good news for Spencer is that he kind of put his best foot forward against Nevada and had a, a pretty solid start. So I'll be interested to see what happens this weekend. On the flip side of that, obviously Iowa's defense has been one of the best in the country can you kind of describe to Rutgers fans, give them a sense of what, how good that unit has been and just kind of what's made Iowa so good on that side of the ball, not just this season, but even in past years. I mean, what, how do you describe and characterize, you know, how that defense is played? Yeah. Just some, some statistics that speak that stick out to me about Iowa's defense last year. Um, it got broken again, a game against Purdue, but they had the longest active streak in the country of surrendering 24 points or less. They're one of the best teams in the country at not allowing big plays and um, in the last five or six years, they have the fifth most shutouts in the, the country. So those are just some raw metrics to, to give you an idea of what um, Rutgers is up against defensively. They have two of the better players in the country on defense and Jack Campbell at linebacker and Riley Moss at cornerback. But really, it's, it's defensive coordinator Phil Parker, who's been alongside Kirk Ferentz from the beginning at Iowa, who's really kind of the, the mastermind of the defense. And Iowa led the country in takeaways last year. They broke the school record with uh, 25 interceptions. And when you talk to players and you ask them about what is it about this defense that that has lended so much success? They say that it is the preparation that Phil Parker um, instills in them. And it's it's pretty extensive. I mean, they're prepared for, for every situation. And what's most impressive about what Iowa's defense is doing this year is that they've lost um, three frontline starters and or contributors to injury. And they're still second in the country, only allowing four points per game. So not only do they have great starters, but they've done a good job of building depth behind those starters. So it's a combination of, of things. But Iowa's defense is, is definitely carrying a lot of water for the team this year. And one thing that I'll add to this and it's something that Rutgers fans know well with their punter, Iowa's punter, Tory Taylor, is really an extension of the defense. He has 13 punts inside the 20 this year, which leads the nation, several of them inside the, the five yard line. And Iowa's defense has been able to create some uh, some havoc off of that. They forced two safeties in their first game and led the team in scoring in that 7-3 win over South Dakota State. So not only do they have a great defense, but they have a great punter who can flip the field, put the offense in tough situations. And that's when Iowa's defense really likes to attack and force mistakes. Who on that defensive line does Rutgers have to watch? Who can give them problems up there? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a that's an interesting question because Iowa plays, um, you know, when they're fully healthy, up to ten guys on the defensive line. But some some that stick out: um, Noah Shannon, defensive tackle; Logan Lee, defensive tackle. Those are two guys in the middle who are veterans, and they're doing um, a great job in terms of wrecking game plans at the line of scrimmage. On the end spots, you have Joe Evans as a senior, John Wagner as a, as another senior, um, two guys who who like to get after the quarterback and rush the passer. Joe Evans is Iowa sack leader. And um, another name to watch out for is Lucas Van Ness, who led the team in sacks last year as a backup defensive tackle. They're starting to move him around the line. Now he's playing tackle. He's playing defensive end. Um, he's really started to come on. So those are kind of um, the five names to, to watch out for. But otherwise, you know, you're going to see a constant rotation of, of defensive linemen. There could be up to eight or nine guys rotating in and out there. This might be somewhat tough to answer because obviously these teams don't play each other a ton, but What's kind of the perception, do you feel like, among Iowa fans, among even the Iowa program of Rutgers? I mean, is this game still kind of looked at as like a throwaway game, an easy opponent? You know, you go to Jersey, you get the win, you come back home. Or is there, you know, kind of with the, the improvement that Rutgers has made last year, is maybe there's more of a, you know, kind of a wonder of maybe this is going to be a, a bigger test that, than maybe some people would expect? Yeah, um, I think that in terms of just the, the perception, I think that people kind of look at Rutgers similar to how maybe other people view Iowa, a team that's built um, around physicality, a team that likes to establish the run, plays good defense. And there's few coaches um, in the country that put an emphasis on special teams quite like Iowa does with Kirk Ferentz and LeVar Woods and what Greg Schiano does um, at Rutgers. I think coming into the year, the perception was kind of like what you said, that Iowa was probably going to be 3-0 and at this time. They were going to be able to, to get a win over Rutgers, and everybody's looking ahead to next week with the Michigan game, and that's going to be kind of one that everyone has circled on their calendar. But I think that the way that Iowa's played in their, in their first few games has fans, especially on high alert, that there's not going to be any games uh, on the schedule and that they really do need to, to look out for Rutgers. And I think that there is a sense that, with Rutgers' strong defense, what they can do in special teams and Iowa's offensive struggles, that this is going to be a very close game. And it's going to be a game that um, potentially goes down to the wire and those things, turnovers, field position, all of the kind of, you know, little things that um, players and coaches talk about on the weekly is what's going to decide the game. So I think going into the year, it might have been a potential afterthought considering who Iowa's next opponent is. But, um, you know, looking at the first three games, I think Rutgers has the the fan bases and the team's full attention. They want to start Big Ten play on a good note, especially considering the Big Ten West is um, in a bit of shambles right now. So there's a great opportunity for Iowa to start 1-0 and um, and build some momentum going into the Michigan game. You touched on it a little bit, but what has the Iowa fan base reaction been to the the start of the season, the losing to Iowa State and, and so on? Yeah, I think that it's been um, – they've been pretty angry. I mean, just to, to put it candidly, I think that there were high expectations going into the season because – Fans look at Iowa's defense as a championship level defense, and they look at their special teams unit um, as a championship level special teams unit in most years. They do have question marks this year. They're breaking in a new kicker. They're breaking in a new returner. But with LeVar Woods as special teams coordinator, they have confidence in that unit. It's really just all been what can the offense do? Can they give the team anything to push the team forward? And there was a lot of criticism for Kirk Ferentz for not um, seeking outside help to, to help the offense and doubling down. And there was a lot of talks in the offseason about making changes and subtle things that they can do to make the offense better. And the fan base did not see that in the first two games. I mean, they were very close to losing this against South Dakota State. 
They obviously lost against Iowa State for the first time in six years. So that's a, a rivalry game, a trophy game that was big to the fan base. And they look at it as our defense is doing everything that they can. Toy Taylor's special teams unit is doing everything that they can. The offense um, being the worst in the country is really what's holding the, the team back at this point. So there, there hasn't been um, a lot of positivity just because they don't see things getting much better for the offense. Um, I think that the Nevada game, they entered into it with cautious optimism because they don't want to get their, their hopes too high about Iowa potentially lighting it up against a, a really bad defense when Big Ten um, play is on their horizon. So I think that the fans right now um, are still a little um, pins and needles. Like the team is two and one and it could be much worse. And every other team in the division is going through things as well. Um, but things aren't quite buttoned up yet. And I think that's what fans are most afraid of that. They had this good win against Nevada. Then they go into Rutgers and then they see the same things that they saw in the first two games. So um, a long answer, but um, in short there, um, there are some nervous people in, in Iowa city right now. And we'll wrap up on this one. Just, when you look at these two teams and you look at how Iowa's been playing last week with with some offense finally on the board for them, we all know defense travels, but will offense travel and will it be enough Saturday, do you think, to, to get a win? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm still going back and forth on it, but uh, I do have Iowa winning the game. I think it's going to be really close. My initial thought is is 20 to 10. I know that Rutgers has their, their own offensive um, problems right now with quarterback and that kind of being a question mark. I look at it as a game where, where Iowa's defense is going to, um, again, carry the water. Um, I'm not sure how many ways or what opportunities Rutgers is going to have to put many points on the board unless Iowa's offense turns the ball over and kind of puts them in those situations. So I think ball security is going to be a big thing. I think Iowa's going to rely a lot on the run. And maybe with them opening up the, the playbook and those receivers getting a little bit more conditioned this week, um, they might be ready to go. So I have Iowa um, in kind of like that 7 to 10-point victory range right now, but um, I think it's going to be a really close game. And it should be a fun atmosphere Saturday night in Piscataway. I know we're all looking forward to that. Kennington Lloyd-Smith the third from the Des Moines Register. Thanks so much for stopping by the show. Appreciate you having me. And again, thanks to Kennington Lloyd-Smith the third, the beat writer for the Iowa Hawkeyes from the Des Moines Register. Appreciate him stopping by the show. Guys, a lot of great info in there that we can take into our prediction segment now as we get ready for Rutgers and Iowa. It should be an exciting atmosphere in Piscataway, uh, a primetime game Saturday night under the lights uh, against a, a name-brand opponent in Iowa. Rutgers 3-0. and uh, Fans, well, up and down, I guess, excitement levels based on whatever week you're watching this Scarlet Knights team, but certainly should be a fun atmosphere there for the players, for the students, for the fans to watch on Saturday night. Chris, what are you predicting for this matchup against Iowa? Yeah, I'm predicting more ugliness. Um, I mean, it, it's, you know, this is going to be a, a rough one probably. I think I, I will say, and, and I'll echo what you said, Ryan, I think that this is going to be a great atmosphere. I think on Saturday night, you know, under the lights, prime time, I think that this is going to be a, a really, really cool college football environment. So I'm very much looking forward to, to seeing all that and, and and just kind of, you know, it's it might it's the first time really in a, in a while. I mean, it's probably since Shiano's been back that, you know, there's been this kind of environment and atmosphere and, and potential, you know, in a game. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, Rutgers is looking to go 4-0 and for the first time in 10 years. Uh, they haven't won a Big Ten home game in, since 2017. I mean, you know, there, there's, there's you know, a lot going into this game. Uh, but in terms of predictions, <laughs> first team to a safety. I mean, you know, it's, I'll say, you know, I'm going to go like 13, I'll say 13-10 Iowa. 
you know, I think at the end of the day, Iowa's defense will do just enough to get the win. But, you know, it's, it's, if you're looking for points, you know, you're not going to see them in this game. Steve, how about you? Well, you know, and, and Chris brought up all the things that go into this game and why it is so important, you know, from the, from the, the, the atmosphere to the prime time to the opponent, you know, albeit not a vintage Iowa team, it's still Iowa. It's still a Big Ten game. And I, I think, I think the, the worst case scenario has been taken off the board here because Iowa's offense is as bad as Rutgers. And I just don't think they're going to be able to embarrass you or, or in a game like this. I think it's going to be a close game. So I think it's going to be a winning night for Rutgers, whether they win or lose a very close game. We'll see, depending on how they play. But I'm going to go with 17-14 Iowa. And Chris, I know you joked about it, first team to a safety, but this is the kind of game where if you do get a non-offensive touchdown, that goes a long way. As we've said, as we've hit on a lot in this show, both offenses are really struggling. So if either side is able to get a special teams touchdown, if either side's able to get a defensive touchdown, even if it's a, a takeaway deep in the other team's uh, uh, you know side of the field where you give your offense a short field to go for a score, that's going to be huge in this game where two offenses are, are going to really struggle to move the ball, at least from what we've seen so far this year. Watch this be a 65-60 to 60 shootout, of course, now that we've hammered how bad these offenses are. Probably unlikely, but you never know. But uh, I think just having a, a takeaway of some sort, having kind of an unconventional score of some sort, uh, whichever team is able to do that, I think that's the team that wins. And whether or not Rutgers is kind of able to, to harness the energy of the home crowd and they're able to make it happen, I'm going to go with an upset. I'm going to pick Rutgers in this one. I think that they win 20 to 13 over Iowa and they improve to 4 0 as the schedule only gets harder from here on out. But regardless of what happens, I'm hoping just for an entertaining game for, for the fans. For, for you guys in the press box as well and for everyone watching home at, at TV. So it should be fun and we're looking forward to it and things only get more interesting from here on out. Again, thanks for listening to The Chop. Again, thank you to Kennington Lloyd-Smith III for stopping by the show and be sure to enjoy the game Saturday night. We will break it all down for you on the next episode of The Chop. Again, follow along with Steve and Chris as they cover the Scarlet Knights for app.com and northjersey.com. And thank you so much for listening. For Chris, for Steve, I'm Ryan. We'll talk to you next week on The Chop. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.